0: Welcome to NUMA Church with Corey Turner. We pray you encounter God and become more like Jesus through this message. To find out more, visit us at NUMA.Church. I want to encourage you to go with me to Ezekiel 47. I want to read from verses 1 to 12, and we're going to read about prophets, uh, Prophet Ezekiel's vision of the water flowing from the temple. And this week, as I've been um, sort of studying this and looking at this to share today, um, it's been a real wrestle, to be honest with you, because there's so much in here, we literally could spend a month just unpacking all that is in these verses, and there's so many different aspects to it. I've preached it before, and, but I really felt like the Lord wanted me to zero in and focus on uh, verses three to five We're gonna read one to 12, but particularly take note of verses three to five and uh, let's uh, read it together. The Bible says in Ezekiel 47 verse one, then he being the angel of the Lord brought me back to the door of the temple. And behold, water was issuing from below the threshold of the temple toward the east for the temple faced east. And the water was flowing down from below the south end of the threshold of the temple south of the altar. Verse two, then he brought me out by way of the north gate and led me around on the outside to the outer gate that faces toward the east. And behold, the water was trickling out on the south side. Verse three, going on eastward with a measuring line in his hand. This is the angel in the vision. The man measured a 1,000 cubits and then led me through the water and it was ankle deep. Everybody say ankle deep. Again, he measured a thousand, he led me through the water and it was knee deep. Everybody say knee deep. deep. Again, he measured a thousand and led me through the water and it was waist deep. Let's say waist waist deep. And again, he measured a thousand and it was a river I could not pass through for the water had risen. It was deep enough to swim in a river that could not be passed through. He emphasises it twice. He said to me, son of man, have you seen this? In other words, is your vision clear? Then he led me back to the bank of the river. And as I went back, I saw on the bank of the river very many trees on the one side and on the other. And he said to me, this water flows toward the eastern region and goes out down into the Araba, which was an arid and dry valley and enters the sea. And when the water flows into the sea, the water will become fresh. And wherever the river goes, every living creature that swarms will live. And there will be very many fish. For this water goes there, that the waters of the sea may become fresh. So everything will live where the river goes. Fishermen will stand beside the sea, from Engedi to Enaglaim. It will be a place for the spreading of nets. Its fish will be of very many kinds, like the fish of the great sea. But its swamps and marshes will not become fresh. They are to be left for salt. And on the banks, on both sides of the river, there will grow all kinds of trees for food. Their leaves will not wither, nor their fruit fail, but they will bear fresh fruit every month because the water for them flows from the sanctuary. Their fruit will be for food and they leaves for healing. I wanna to speak to you today on the subject, in over my head. In over my head. You know, when uh, our younger son Joshua, uh, who's now 15 and, and taller than me, pray for me. Um, when, when Joshua was a little boy and we were teaching him how to swim, we were on a family holiday and we're at this beautiful resort and I take him down to uh, the swimming pool and uh, we're trying to teach him how to be confident in water. And, and so he's on the edge of the swimming pool and we're in the shallow end. And I sort of just step out about a meter and a half. And I'm wanting my son to trust his dad. And I'm wanting him to sort of jump into the water, into my arms. And I'm trying to, you know, encourage him. Hey, dad will catch you. Daddy will catch you. You jump in. And it took, you know, everything to try and get this rebellious kid to to, to jump into the water and trust his dad. And I realized after a few minutes of trying this, he's looking at me like, I ain't trusting you, babe. And so I had to go where he was, pick him up, bring him into the water and actually teach him how to be confident in the water. And by the end of that time together, we're down the deep end, he's jumping in. Why? Because he learned that he could trust his father to look after him and to catch him as he learns this new skill in his life. And I began to think about how many of us hold back in our relationship with our Heavenly Father because we don't really trust His nature. And many believers get stuck at a point in time in their relationship and they don't go any further because there are certain issues and challenges, maybe from their past, that has sort of marked them and 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 blocked them from moving further and forward into the fullness of God's presence and plan for their lives. There are all sorts of reasons why people sort of stop at the halfway house of, of sort of convenience or comfort zone and don't go further. One of those reasons is because of what we call the father wound. Some of us have grown up in broken families where we have broken relationships with our earthly father. And because of that father wound, it shapes all of our relationships. It shapes how we engage, not only with each other horizontally, but vertically in our relationship with our heavenly father. And it isn't often until we get healing for the brokenness in our own families, and our own past, that we can truly begin to relate to God as a perfect heavenly father. Because we tend to project onto Father God the brokenness of our past. Other reasons why some of us stop sort of halfway in our walk with God is because of disappointment. We we maybe prayed for something, believed for something and didn't happen and we get disappointed and we get hurt and we get frustrated. Maybe there's offense there towards God. Maybe there was a, a leader in another church that hurt us, or maybe even in this church that hurt you. And so there's all this sort of uh, offense and hurt and woundedness there. And, and then what happens is when we're hurt in relationships, we tend to become self-reliant and we sort of stiff-arm people and hold people off at arm's length because we, we, we think we're the only ones that we can trust. And when there's been a lot of wounding and hurting in people's lives, there can be a real sort of barrier and blockage to people relating to Father God. There are lots and lots of reasons why that we would block God out from certain parts of our lives. And when that happens, we tend to revert back to uh, the mechanism of control in our lives. And so we don't live surrendered lives, we live controlled lives. We try to compartmentalize and control everything in our lives to keep us safe. And it's actually a defensive mechanism to try and protect our heart. And on one level, you can understand it, on another level, it will slowly erode, steal, kill and destroy your life and what God has intended for you. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6, it says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Didn't say trust in the Lord with some of your heart or a quarter of your heart, but with all of your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. Acknowledge the Lord in all your ways and He will make straight your paths. We are in relationship with an all in God. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength and all your mind. And one of the primary responsibilities of five-fold ascension gift ministry, a preacher, a teacher, a pastor, a leader in the house, is to make sure that we as spiritual leaders present a brilliant and accurate view of who God, our heavenly Father, actually is. And unfortunately, the church has done a disservice To many believers and the wider community at large by often false teaching and presenting to the world a really limited and inferior and in powerless view of who our God is. We need a fresh revelation of who our God actually is because your revelation of who God is to you will determine how you relate to Him. If that's limited, if it's inferior, or if it's distorted, it's gonna impact the depths, the levels that you will go in your intimacy with Jesus. And it's really important to know that the outpouring of revival on Super Bowl Sunday last year on August 28th was connected uh, to a simple prayer, lots of prayer that were happening in the church and the lead up to that but a simple prayer as I walked down the side tunnel and I asked the Lord, Lord, will you father me at a deeper level? No sooner had I walked 10 meters than the Holy Spirit said, are you serious about that? How many of us know sometimes we don't know what we're really praying? We don't really, God, will you use me and do this and make this happen and get that contract and Lord, give us this opportunity. And, and the Lord's like, well, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to, but I'm going to change you to get you ready for the answer to your own prayers. And every now and then the Holy Spirit just checks in and goes, are you serious about that? Do you really know what you're praying And so no sooner had I answered, yes, I want you to father me at a deeper level. And even though I had a revelation of the Father heart of God, five minutes later, the Holy Ghost blast cannon from heaven, not just hit me, but hit our church. And we've been feeling the effects of that over the last eight months. It's interesting to note that both the Toronto outpouring in the 90s and the Brownsville revival in Pensacola, Florida, Uh, in the uh, late 90s, early 2000s, all happened on Father's Day. Why? Because Randy Clark was preaching on the revelation of the Father Heart of God in Toronto. Steve Hill was preaching on a revelation of the Father Heart of God in Brownsville. And so let us not underestimate the power of growing in an accurate revelation of the Father Heart of God because there is a direct correlation between the measure of presence you carry in your life and your understanding awareness and access to the Father Heart of God. in your life. It is not a light thing. It defines your identity, it defines your relationships, it defines your intimacy, it defines everything about your life. And here in Ezekiel 47, the angel of the Lord gives Ezekiel a vision of water, issuing forth from the temple of God. This vision in this passage is both literal and symbolic of God's presence reviving his people and affecting the world around us. And so we see that it has impact not just in the temple spiritually, but literally it was something that impacted geographically. And whenever you see images of rain or water in Scripture, it is symbolic of the presence of the Holy Spirit. Joel 2, I will pour out my Spirit upon all flesh. All throughout the Scriptures, Old Covenant, New Covenant, there are these images and metaphors of rain and water. It is symbolic of the presence of the Holy Spirit. Zechariah 10.1 says ask for rain in the season of the spring rain. It's talking about asking for the presence of the Holy Spirit, the reviving, renewing presence of the Holy Spirit to enliven us and to quicken us and to bring back into use after decline. And so the river of revival in this passage is a prophetic picture, not only for Israel at that time, but for us as the church of Jesus Christ today. And so when Ezekiel sees the river of God's presence flowing from the temple to the natural world around it, going out towards the sea, which is a picture of the sea of humanity, going into the Araba, a dry and arid wilderness, which is a picture of the spiritual drought of unbelievers' hearts. When we see, when you see Ezekiel describe what he's seeing, it's imperative that we understand our spiritual encounters with Jesus must translate into our every lives. It's not enough to simply Just enjoy the presence of God. The outpouring of the Spirit isn't just for your enjoyment, it's for your employment. It's for every single area of your life. And what can happen is is we can tend to compartmentalise what takes place here for a couple of hours on a Sunday or what happens in our devotional time to that private space in our lives, rather than allowing it to break out into every single area of our lives. What did Jesus say in Matthew 10 Proclaim as you go, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out devils and, and, and cleanse lepers. In other words, the, the, our faith, our intimacy with God, our relationship with God, our heavenly encounters is supposed to be part of our going. Not just staying and waiting, but our going. Into our everyday lives. What we tend to do because of a very sort of Western, Greek, rationalistic thought process is we compartmentalize different areas of our lives into different categories. And so our spiritual life is, you know, this on a Sunday, but the rest of the week, We have work, and we have bills, and we have finance, and we have friends, and we have a social life, we have a health life, physical life, and we tend to categorize and compartmentalize into different boxes in our lives. That may help you from an organizational point of view of your personal life, but it is not a biblical idea of how we are to live in relationship with God. A Hebrew mindset is that God, faith in Jesus, is at the center of our lives, and we seek first the kingdom of God, His rule and reign and His righteousness in our lives and every other area of our life revolves around the epicenter of our intimacy with Jesus and it permeates every single area of our life. Our relational life, our financial life, our working life, our cafe life, whatever life you have. that, That your faith in Jesus intimacy, the presence of God, the river of revival is supposed to permeate, immerse and saturate every single area of your life. Pierre Cardin said this, we're not physical beings having a spiritual experience, we are spirit beings having a physical experience. The spiritual is supposed to impact the physical. And as long as our heavenly encounters are divorced from everyday realities, we can't fulfill the prayer of our Master and our Saviour, Matthew 6.10, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Many Christians are trying to get out of earth because it's going to hell in a handbasket, and it's so bad, and it's so dark, and it's so this, and it's so that. God's Spirit and His river is trying to get into the earth to transform it. This is God's gift to us. He made us, created us for this planet. This is our home. We will be in a new heaven and a new earth one day, but this planet will be revived, restored, completely saved. Salvation isn't just about your soul and getting a ticket to heaven. Salvation is about your body. Salvation is about your family. Salvation is about your finances. Salvation is about every single area of your life including this planet. You know in the Old Testament the temple literally a physical temple with the ark of the covenant in it representing the presence of God was the epicenter of faith, epicenter of the presence of God. And so people would go on pilgrimage and they would come and they would worship and they would offer sacrifices at the literal temple. This is what Ezekiel is seeing that issuing forth from the temple is the presence of God. But what he's seeing is a new covenant reality. That what was localised became globalised across the planet as the Spirit of God on the day of Pentecost was being poured out across all flesh. And so now under the new covenant, you and I individually, our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit we are the dwelling place of God. And collectively, as the body of Christ, we are His temple. The temple, the the presence of God is not just about the, the, the building, the facilities. This simply facilitates our gathering together in worship. It's a ministry center from which it well, through the spiritual tributaries and scaling out of God's purposes and interventions in the city of Melbourne and beyond. Yes, there is a residue of God's presence because of decades of prayer and worship and sacrifice and intimacy, but you are the church. We are the temple of the presence of God. And so every single one of us are called to follow Jesus into deeper experiences of His presence in our lives. Every single one of us are called to follow Him deeper. In John 7:37, the Bible says, "'If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink.'" You know, I, was, I heard a story about two sailors who were lost at sea, some of you would have heard this story, and they'd run out of fresh drinking water, and there was a boat that emerged over the horizon and uh, they were signaling old school to the boat, give us some water only to have the signal come back, let down your bucket. And the fishermen are like, what the heck? They, they, they misunderstood, we're in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean, give us some water, signal came back, let down your bucket. And what they didn't realize is that the stretch of Atlantic Ocean that they're in is where the Amazon River travels fresh water, travels 250 kilometers into the Atlantic Ocean pushing the the residue of salt water from the surface of the water to about one to two feet down. And so right on top of the surface of the water is fresh drinking water in that stretch of the world. And often I began to think about how many believers are dying of thirst because they're not letting down the bucket of their hearts to drink of the river of living water that's staring them right in the face. They're signalling to the world. They're signalling to the, to the, the friends with benefits. They're signalling to, to, to their bosses. They're signalling to the nightclub. They're signalling to, to the Netflix. They're signalling, going, would you please give us some water? And God's like, you just need to let down your bucket. If you're thirsty, just come to me and drink because I will satisfy that thirst that is within you. John 4.13 says, everyone who drinks of this natural water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I give them will be satisfied. And what will spring up in them is a well of eternal life. John seven thirty eight says, whoever believes in me out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. If you want rivers of living water to flow from your life, you first need to come to the source and drink. And notice it's plural, it's not just a river, it's rivers. In other words, God wants a multifaceted and continuous flow of Holy Spirit power surging through your life. But if that's going to be a reality, we've got to come to the source. We've got to come to the mouth of the river. We've got to come to the river of God's presence and drink of His presence. And there is this tension in the Christian life that exists between Staying full but remaining hungry for more of Jesus. How do you stay full? Godliness with contentment is great gain. How do you stay full but you remain hungry? Well, you keep following the voice of the Spirit into deeper measures of His presence. You keep staying hungry and thirsty in the midst of the Spirit of God, satisfying a cry that is in your heart. Is this helping anybody today? You see, the closer you follow the Spirit, the deeper into the river you go. You know, back last year on Super Bowl Sunday, when this river of revival blasted us, I had pastors who were here visiting from around the world, and they were like, at the end of all this, and you know, it's like a rocket has gone off, and and they're saying, how are you going to sustain this? And I said, good question, I don't know. And any person who says they know are lying. Because when God moves sovereignly, the only reasonable, rational, intelligent response is get on your face and just beg for mercy and just be like, God, I'm I'm out of control on this. I don't know what's really going on here, but God, I am so hungry for more of it. And so I said, I really don't know. I'm gonna go to the Lord about that. And I said, Lord, how are we gonna sustain this? And he said, wrong question. You didn't start it, so you don't have to sustain it. He said, I started it. All you gotta do is remain in me and steward my presence by following my voice. And I've learned in life, when I hit something, I don't know what to do. I hear those words, son, just follow me. We've become so enamored with the art of influence and leadership, we've lost the simple call to followership. Jesus didn't ask you to be a leader. He asks you to follow Him, and He will make you something. He'll make you a fisher of men. And our society is so enamored with who's following me on social media, who's following me in my workplace, who's following my lead, and God's looking for someone to just humble themselves enough to say, we'll just get into the slipstream of the Spirit and follow the Lord and do what He asks you to do. You see, when we stop following, the river stops flowing. Bible says in John 3, 34, God gives the spirit without measure. He gives you himself. He gives all of himself. He laid it all down on the cross. He does not withhold from you. So if there is lack in our lives or the measure of his presence has leveled off in our lives, the lack is on our end. We've stopped following when the river stops flowing. And so we've got to come back to our first love and we've got to come back to that source of living water. And, and here is Ezekiel. He follows the angel and he's led. He's not doing it, he's being led by the angel of the Lord into deeper levels of the river. And it measures ankle deep, knee deep, waist deep, and to the point that he can do nothing but swim in it. Let's look at verses three to five. And unpack this a little bit. Going on eastward with a measuring line in his hand, the man measured a thousand cubits and then led me through the water, and it was ankle deep. Again, he measured a thousand and led me through the water and it was knee deep. Again, he measured a 1,000 and led me through the water, and it was waist deep. Again, he measured a 1,000, and it was a river I could not pass through, for the water had risen. It was deep enough to swim in a river that could not be passed through. Imagine a river a mile wide, but an inch deep you had a little infant, little to- uh, child or a toddler, you'd probably feel comfortable, as long as you were around that toddler, to let that toddler play and, and sort of splash around in, in a river, in, in a stream of water that was only an inch deep. But if you were to take that same body of water and narrow it to about a 100 meters, I'm telling you, the current, the force and momentum of that would be so significant, you wouldn't let yourself be in it, yeah. let alone your kid. All right, here is Ezekiel, and he's being led by the Spirit into different measures of water. Again, representing the presence of God. So these different measures of water are like depth indicators of relationship with God. Some believers get to ankle deep with God and say, far enough. Not going any further. I'm in the shallow end of the kids' pool, playing with the kids' toys of the kingdom, and I can feel the contact of the river, of the water on my ankles, but I'm still in control. A lot of amens on that one. (laughs) So we don't mind dipping our foot in the water. You know, whenever you've been beside a stream, or maybe not the Yarra River, but beside a stream or something, you dip your foot in the water, and 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 it's, it's refreshing. There's something about it, but you're still in control. Yeah. You can easily just pull your feet out. You can easily stand at ankle-deep water, move around, go for a run, do whatever you need to do. The issue is you've made contact with the river of His presence, yeah. Yeah. but you're still Lord of your life. Yeah. Then some believers get to knee-deep with God and say, okay, I'm a little bit further into this, but far enough. This is where you're starting to feel the strength of the current. You're starting to feel that that call start to inch towards you. You're starting to feel that pull of being more committed to your devotional life and more engaged in the life of the church, But, but with a quick step or two of evasion, you're still in control because it's only at knee deep. You can lift your leg out and you can move around and do what you need to do. That's some believers. Other believers get to waist deep with God and say thus far and no further. I mean, I've been on this journey for a little while now and I, I, I've had my ankles wet and, and now I've been knee deep and now I'm starting to serve in the life of the church and, and I'm having regular devotions, and but I'm not too sure about all that manifestation of the Spirit stuff and I'm not too sure whether I actually wanna be a bold witness in my workplace for the Lord, and I don't really, I wanna follow Jesus, but I wanna be in my comfort zone, and I want it to be convenient to my lifestyle, and so this is where the current of the river is starting to affect our daily lives. We're starting to see some fruitfulness, but it's, and we hear the call, he must increase, I must decrease, but we still have a measure of movement to control ourselves. Am I right or am I right? A few believers, a rare group, get in so far in over their head with God, and they taste and see that God is so good, they say, Not far enough. Because when you've tasted of the heavenly gift and you've experienced the blessing of the measure, without measure, He gives and you've crossed the line. You're like, Peter said, where else are we gonna go? To whom else are we gonna run to? Only you, Jesus, have the words of life. This is why we have got to guard our hearts from wandering away from our first love. Guard our hearts, there's so many people. If the, the church in Australia, the body of Christ, had everyone in it who was in it 10 years ago, five years ago, 20 years ago, 30, 40 years ago, I'm telling you, it'd be like 30, 40% of the nation are saved. But over time, what happens is people who got ankle deep and knee deep and waist deep, maybe even in over their heads became overly familiar. They didn't remain hungry. They didn't remain thirsty. And they went back to knee deep and to ankle deep. And then before you know it, it's, it's, a, it's a cold call, they're out. It's, it's like they got cold feet because it's, stuff has distracted them. They're no longer in love with Jesus. But I'm telling you, when you've tasted and seen of the goodness of His presence and you uh, humble yourself like a little child and in awe and wonder, you look into the presence of Jesus and remind yourself again, where would I be apart from His grace? Where would I be apart from His goodness in my life? All you can do is surrender and swim. You've let go of the nets of safety and comfort. I love that passage where Jesus comes to the disciples, calls them, and the Bible says that Peter and John let go of their nets. They burnt their, Elisha burnt his plow. He broke it and he burnt it to follow the call of God upon his life. Some of us have heard the call to follow Jesus, but we're still holding on to the nets. And we're sort of getting dragged back into, you know, bizarre sort of relationships and, and issues with finance, and this and that, and, we're, and we wanna follow Jesus. We, we see what God's doing, we hear the call, and we're thirsty, but we sorta of are dragging the nets along. I wanna tell you today, let go of the nets. Let go of the shoreline. Jump into the deep end of God's promise for your life. What did Peter say in John 13, eight and nine? He said, Jesus, You shall never wash my feet. And Jesus said, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me, Peter. And Peter responded, well then, Lord, not only my feet, but also my hands and my head as well. I love Peter. One moment he's like, you will not die. Well, that's sort of the point, Peter. He's got to die, right? (laughs) Now, we look at that in hindsight, but how many of us know we'd all probably be Peter or James and John calling down thunder and fire upon a city. We sort of can judge, oh, you naughty boy, you doubting Thomas, how dare you doubt? And there's a bunch of doubting Thomases in this room right now in Jesus' name, not you, your neighbour. And so, you know, we we look at it and in hindsight, we look at these examples and we judge them, but find yourself in there. We're the ones wrestling with man-made human logic. We're the ones wrestling with doubt. We're the ones who who get annoyed that they aren't with us and they're trying to compete with us, so call down fire. We're the ones, us. But then in the same way, Peter's like, recognizes his eyes get open and he's so childlike. He's like, well then, let me come in over my head. He was the one who said, Lord, to whom else can we go? Only you have the words of life. For all of Peter's challenges and issues, it was him that God used on the day of Pentecost to open up his mouth and give glory to God. Because even though you may not be perfect and mess up in your daily life, when you come in low with a childlike heart and a hungry, thirsty heart for Jesus, God says, I can move through your life. My river can actually touch your heart, touch your life and impact people around you. You see, to follow Jesus is to get in so far over your head, you're totally yielded to the river. Yeah. And what relationship with Jesus is actually, is a journey of transition from control to surrender. Yeah. Yeah. Really good. It's a process of God trying to remove your fingers away from the keys to the vehicle. Step away from the vehicle, church. Let go. There's no other way to follow Jesus. Modern Christianity has turned following Jesus into church attendance and observance of religious rituals. That's not New Testament. I don't know how else you can interpret, pick up your cross, <laughs> lay down your life and follow me. How, 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 what do you do with that? Yeah. It's like I go to pastors' conferences and I'm preaching on stuff and say, what are you going to do with that? Yeah. Oh, that's just a theory. No, that's true. What if everything Jesus said was true? What does C.S. Lewis say? He's like, well, either Jesus is a lunatic or he is the son of God. Yeah. Yeah. And if he is the son of God and what he said is true, that changes everything about how I live my life. Yeah. You can't follow Jesus with one foot in and one foot out. As the African proverb says, he who tries to go in two directions at the same time will split their pants. <laughs> it, 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 it's just basic wisdom. It's basic logic. And so many people are like, I wanna do my thing, but for two hours on a Sunday, I'll do your thing. No, we gotta allow God to integrate this river into every single area of our lives. And for me, to be honest, this has been some of the journey of my life. Growing up in the church, baptized in the Spirit when I was six, I'd be on mission with my dad every Sunday in Ligon Street, my early years, four, five years of age. He'd be there witnessing sharing his faith and ministering on the streets. I'd be there with him getting freaked out by the crazies that were on the street, true story. And and I grew up with this awareness, this love, this passion for God, but in my adolescent years, when the call of God came close to go deeper, move from knee deep to waist deep, and waist deep to being over my head, I struggled with that. I never wanted to, I, I was so afraid of speaking. You wouldn't know it now, but, I was so nervous, so afraid. I used to get people to guests to come in and speak in my place because I just didn't want to do it. I ran away from this and I ran into the fitness industry, the police force, anything but this. And then I realised at some point I was going to have to surrender. I was going to have to lay my life down because I can't follow Jesus and hold something back at the same time. I'm either all in or this thing doesn't work. And I'm telling you, there is liberty and freedom when you just go all in over your head. You, you no longer have got this wrestle. There will be moments of wrestle, but the main wrestle of your will's been settled. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You make a decision in your life. And we're, we're in a day and we're, we're in an age where if you don't run with the river, if you don't swim with the river, your walk with God will become a swamp and a marsh. And, and you'll be stuck in this place of man-made control and the waters of the Spirit that need to move somewhere become stagnant and stale and religious. It doesn't impact anything and then you get bored. If you're bored with God, bored with church, bored with Christianity, you've stopped following the voice of the Spirit. That river's become a swamp, it's become a marsh like it was around this river. Oh Lord, don't let us become a swamp church. Don't let us be swamp believers, but let us be river rats in Jesus' name. Let us get in the river and swim in the river. You're either gonna yield to the river or you're gonna get stuck in the swamp. And I knew that weekend last year when God poured His Spirit out and and this encounter and, and, and I get up on the platform. I knew in that moment, I didn't know what was gonna come out of my mouth, but I knew everything is irrevocably changing on this day. Yeah. And out of my mouth, in front of everyone that was here at that time, I said, i got a confession to make. My dear wife was like her heart dropped, like, oh no, my husband's gonna confess to a scandalous sin in front of the entire congregation. And maybe I was. And out of my mouth, it said, I said, I repent of man-made control. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And for the very first time, I knew exactly what that meant. I knew that I was no longer the Lord or in control. My, you see, you can even be a pastor and leader of a church and still be in control. Well, that one's a bit close to home. You, you can still answer the call to a certain point and then step back. You've got to yield to the current of His presence every single day. Every day I get before Him and as best as I can, whether I'm tired or energetic or in between, and I get down before Him and I say, God, I need your help today. I'm going to yield to you today. You see, we think we've got to come up with all of these great sounding prayers and things. Let me tell you, five to 10 minutes of pure worship and prayer yielded to the Holy Spirit is better than just an hour of distracted prayer and worship. And some of you just need to plug back into the generator again. You need to get into the river of His presence again. You need to get your snorkeling gear out and dive right into the presence and let it overwhelm you and get immersed in it again. Some of you need to make a mess of yourself in the presence of the Lord. You need to cry. You need to get some snot happening. You need to you need to lay down on your face and cry out to God. And we look at that in our modern world and we go, well, that's a little bit over the top. No it's called getting all the way in, getting childlike, getting so hungry for God, you don't care anymore. You know what some of us need? We need the fear of man broken off of our lives. And every now and then, even though for many of us that's happened, even this season, some of us begin to, you know, that thought gets in, well, what does that person think? What's going on there? What does that new person think? They're gonna, no, 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 if you're gonna follow Jesus, you have gotta be more worried about what He thinks I would be more concerned if I was you about the apathy of your own heart than I was about unimpressing somebody. And I love you so much that I'm willing at times to look like a fool in order to to say, come on, don't just look at the pool of Bethesda and complain about why you didn't get your miracle and you couldn't get in. It's time to jump in. The waters are stirring The river is flowing. It's time to dive in. You know, wherever the river goes in this vision, life flows. There's provision, there's healing, there's harvest, there's fruitfulness. Everything that our hearts, sanctified selves want is in the river. I've been blown away by the goodness of God in my life. You know, things that I, back in those adolescent years that I withheld, that I struggled with control over. And the things that I didn't wanna do because I didn't know how, you know, itinerant preachers and church planners, how did they survive? How did they make ends meet? How did they look after their family? God's asked me to do all of those things, by the way. The very things I refused to do. Not to punish me, but to teach me, son, you can trust me in this. The very thing that you withhold from God is often the very thing he'll highlight and pinpoint, not to make life difficult for you, but to actually show you he is exceedingly good all the time. Someone's gonna walk in freedom today out of this place. I can feel it. Some of you started this thing like, oh, I'm not too sure. And right now you're right at the edge and the Lord's saying, come on, yeah. Yeah. you can trust me. My word will not return void in your life. How, how, how do you jump in? How do you step across the line? Revelation twenty two seventeen, The spirit and the bride say come. And let the one who hears say come. And let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who desires take the water of life without price. How do you jump in? You stay thirsty, you step across the line and you answer the call to come and drink. Thank you for listening to Numa Church with Corey Turner. Please visit our website, numa.church and follow us on our social media platform.